Therapy Chat Podcast, episode 204. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today, I am very happy to be bringing you an interview with a guest who is going to talk with us about a topic that is very important, self-kindness. I've been out of the office for a couple weeks. I've had a lot of chaos happening in my life over the past couple months, as I've kind of alluded to here a little bit. I'm glad to be back and bringing you more new episodes. And I'm very excited about what's coming up for the rest of the year. I'm also looking for sponsors for 2020. So if you know of a service or product that you think would be a good one to have as a sponsor for Therapy Chat, I would love to hear from you about what that is by sending me an email at therapychat.podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, let's go ahead and dive into my interview with Jane Tornatore. Therapy Chat Podcast wouldn't exist without the support of its listeners. If you'd like to become a member, please go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. By making a $1 per month donation, you can help Therapy Chat keep going over the long haul. Thank you for your support. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and I am very much looking forward to talking with my guest, Dr. Jane Tornator. Jane, thanks so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I am very curious to hear about your work, you recently released a book called Everything is Perfect, Just Not Me, A Roadmap for Self-Acceptance. Yes. And, you know, that theme of perfectionism that is such a huge issue in our, our culture, the U.S. Yes, it is. And I think people are hearing about it, but really wondering how 
to change it. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. I'm a perfectionist, but <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it has to be the right tool and we have to do it just right. <laughs> so you need to do all the research. We need to right. do all the research on perfectionism and then don't implement anything. That's exactly <laughs> that's how it goes. That's, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> speaking from experience, yeah. Uh, me too. Yeah. So let's just, before we even dig into talking more about your book, let's, if you could just share a little bit about yourself and your work for our audience. Okay. Yeah, I am what I term a recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And those are um, most of the people who come into my office. And I've spent so much of my life, and I learned it from my family and from people around me, that the best way to be the best person I could be is to beat myself up into being a good person. And probably somewhere in my 40s, I was like, I don't think that's working. (laughs) (laughs) I was working really hard and, you know, doing my best, but I, in my own mind, I sucked all the time. I was never doing it good enough. So, and I realized as I was training to be a therapist, I was like, you know, how am I going to teach people to love themselves and to appreciate themselves and to like themselves and be kind to themselves? If I've got this committee in my head, constantly telling me how I'm doing it wrong, or I should have done it already, or why even try? Because it's not going to be perfect. And it's not going to work because you should have done it already. And so you might as well give up, but you can't give up because that means you're a bad person. Don't be a quitter. Don't be a quitter. And so you just got a view onto the inside of my head. And (laughs) I'm like, I can't be the only one experiencing this. So through work with myself and all the learning I've done, because I am a perfectionist, so you have to learn a lot, do lots of courses and books and, you know, PhDs. And, and, um, but what I found is that these simple tools are the most profoundly effective. And as we were talking earlier, my theory is that, and especially as perfectionists, we want to make big changes and we want to make them, you know, two years ago. And so when anytime we make big changes, our ego freaks out because in, in my way of viewing it, our ego's job is to keep us safe. And for the ego, that means if, if, we, if we've done it before, if we've experienced it before, we know we're going to survive. So let's just keep it the same way because we know we've already lived through it. Whereas if we're doing something new, even if it's healthy, even if it's what we want, even if what's we worked so long to get, it's still like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to survive because I don't know what I'm doing. And I think especially as perfectionists, we can't try anything new until we already know how to do it, which is, you know, yeah, that's a huge one. Right. And it's impossible. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm going to take up skiing, but I don't right. know how to ski. So I don't want to look like an idiot. Right. <laughs> it's like, but what about the learning part? Like you have to learn it. So you don't just aren't born right. skis on your feet and knowing how to do it. Right. Exactly. So we have this beautiful, constant trail of failure into our little brains. So what I've discovered is that when I implement small changes and my clients implement small changes, actually after a time when they just practice these little things that sneak under the ego of like, well, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about that. That's not going to, that's not going to do anything. Just 
don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. That they start to make these changes where they, they find themselves being spontaneously kinder to themselves. And it's like it sneaks up on their ego until it's already the neural pathways are already created. So then the ego's like, oh, oh, well, I know this. We're fine. So that's my I like that. It's my secret weapon for change. So in your book, is that what you teach people to do? Yes. The last exercise is a big one that scares a lot of people, but I wanted to do one exercise that for people who really like to go for it can do. But the rest of them are just very simple ways to be aware, how to be with our feelings without them absolutely terrifying us or overwhelming us, how to shift our thoughts, like one word at a time, like one of the things I, can I share one of the tools oh, now? Please, sure. Awesome. So the way I always lead into this one is I say, if I were queen of the world, I would ban the words should, must, have to, need, and for Midwesterners, gotta. Mm-hmm. Because these words, especially should, should was my worst one. When I say, oh, I should do this, it has the brilliant ability to make me feel bad no matter what. Because if I should do it, that means it should have already been done. So even if I already, if I end up doing it, it's too late. I should have done it before. So I get no pleasure. I get no dopamine hit for what I accomplish. So I can't win with should. And when I'm working with people, I have them, you know, say I should do, you know, something that they quote, think they should do, and then feel it in their, close their eyes and feel it in their body. And almost always they feel a sense of like dread or tightness or heaviness or, you know, their, their brow scrunches up or their teeth clench or they get more tense. So, you know, just by saying the, the words, we make the task that we're wanting to do more difficult. So I would ban should, must, have to, need, and gotta, and I would switch it up to it's a good idea, it'd be helpful, an option is I get to, and only if it's really, really true, I want to or I like to. And then I always have people change up the should to it's a good idea, say it, close their eyes, and notice what they feel. And 99 out of 100 times... Every once in a while, it doesn't work for people. But 99 out of 100 times, people go, oh, I feel lighter. I feel less tense. It seems more possible. And, you know, we've got 60,000 thoughts on average a day, according to some Harvard study that I've not been able to find yet, but I've seen it cited a bunch of times. Yeah, I've never heard that. But, you know, I'm like, hmm, there's been times I've been laying in bed. Right. <laughs> and I know there were at least 20,000 thoughts that went through uh, So Exactly. <laughs> and that was so just an we, hour or so trying to right. fall asleep. <laughs> Feels like all your thoughts all in one hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you think if we've got an average of 60,000 thoughts, if we start to change the words we use to ourselves in those thoughts, it can have a profound impact, like one word at a time. Yeah. I like this because something that I find really hard is when, you know, and I know this is a common thing, so I'm not putting it down, but I've never really found success for myself or with clients in trying to change thoughts. But you're saying change a a word Word. is different. Yes. Yeah, because trying to change yourself. Yeah, changing your thoughts is a, a, I mean, it's awesome and it's great, 
but it's too much. Yeah. And it's also, you know, when people have, for those of us with trauma, it's not mm -hmm. really accessible when the trauma is activated. Exactly. That neural pathway is a super highway and there is no getting, there are like no exit ramps mm -hmm. when we're, we're full on in the trauma response. Yeah. Yep. I love also that you said that you ask people to notice what they feel in their bodies when they say should, gotta, have to, must. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't jot down the words, but those are the ones I think need. I remember. <laughs> need. Need. Yeah. Yeah. I need to do this. <laughs> and also for me, one that you didn't say, but that I say in my head is supposed to. Well, I'm supposed oh. to this. I'm supposed to that. That's good. I like that. Maybe it's more of an East Coast thing or the South. I'm not sure because I'm from Virginia. But there's like an element of self-criticism in those words. Yep. You know, Absolutely. and to tune into what we feel in our body when we're saying that is so that's the key to me. Mm hmm. You're right, because then we actually like we because we don't basically as a species like change when we see the results of the words that we use on ourselves and actually feel the discomfort and pain they cause, we're more likely to make the effort to make the change because we become aware of like how awful it feels when we talk to ourselves in you know, using words like should, must, have to, need, supposed to, it feels awful. So it's like, okay, so what were those words again? It'd be helpful. Okay, I'll try it. And also, you know, I always like to bring the ego along for the ride whenever possible. When we feel the results of the words in our body, it gives the ego information of like, oh, well, maybe that's not crazy. I, there is a difference when I use should versus it's a good idea. There is a difference. This might actually be a tool that works. And so our ego kind of comes along for the ride because it doesn't know how profoundly it will work. Otherwise, it'd be like, that's a stupid tool. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like them. I like my way. <laughs> right, right. Stop it. You're supposed to just use it my way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that reminds me of the thing that Kristen Neff talks about in self-compassion, that if you we think that by being mean to ourselves that we're motivating. And if we don't do it, we're afraid we'll be lazy. Exactly. I remember when I was in grad school and I was super depressed and anxious and half of my colleagues and I were on like anti-anxiety or antidepressants. I was in the see a psychiatrist to get a, a medication and he said, so when do you play? When do you have fun? And I'm like, what? He said, well, when do you have fun? I was like, I don't, I'm in grad school. I work all the time. I'm There's no serious. Time I'm a PhD student. Exactly. <laughs> there is no fun. And then he was pushing me and I was like, you don't understand. If I allow myself to have any fun, I'm not going to finish grad school. If I have any fun, I'm going to know how fun it is and I will stop working completely. You know, like this all or nothing yes. that is part of perfectionism. And so he's like, okay, so trust me. For you, if you feel like you're going off the boards with having fun, for most people, that's like, you know, a little like notch on the ruler. Yeah. <laughs> Mild fun. Exactly. For you, it's going to be mind blowing for anybody else. It's like, really? That's all. <laughs> and so I trusted him and I joined a soccer team and we went out and had beers after the game. And I still finished grad school. 
amazingly. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. That's a real fear that if we allow compassion or kindness or fun, that we're just going to become hedonists who have no responsibility whatsoever. And we will just become drug dealers and die homeless and hurt people along the way. That's how we tend to think. (laughs) All of the things that would make us hate ourselves. Exactly. More than we already do. Right. (laughs) Right. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Therapists, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. I love that you pointed out that that's that all or nothing thinking because that, you know, it's the same with the I should. Mm -hmm. It's like there's one answer. I should be doing this. And when you say it might be a good idea, it's more like I have choices. I have options. Exactly. And what happens often when people say it would be a good idea, you know, we're seeding into our unconscious. Wow. So, you know, when we, we point are unconscious in different directions. And when we say be a good idea, some people immediately notice that they're starting to think, well, I could do it this way, or I could do it this way, or this might be a possibility. Or let, and it's, yeah. it's like we're letting our unconscious do the work. Once again, sneaking past the ego, because it's the unconscious, you know, searching for problem solving and idea creation to, what, to get what we actually already want to have happen, happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I can see, I mean, as you're talking about it, I can really see that, how that can be. Something like like tricking yourself into thinking like, exactly. well, I don't have to do anything. It's just an idea. Exactly. There's no threat. It's just an idea. I, I don't have to act on it. I can just, you know, imagine. And the thing is, you know, when we imagine the same neural pathways run in our brain as when we're actually doing the activity. Mm. So simply by imagining the possible things we might do, we're already running those neural pathways, creating those neural pathway patterns, which then makes it more possible and more acceptable to our ego because then it's it's a known part of our experience simply because we imagined it. Wow, yeah, like visualizing. That's cool. Exactly. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, isn't it? (laughs) And the example I give to my clients is, like, I've got a red mug that I have to drink water when I see clients. And I say to them, think about the color red. Like, I give no other direction than just think about the color red. And they're invariably looking at everything in my room that is red. Or they're thinking about hearts. Or they're thinking about strawberries. Or, you know, their mind is coming up with... Red. Okay, well, think of all the red things. But I never told them that, right? I just said, think about the color red. Yeah. And their subconscious was immediately searching for red, either in the room or in their life. So we automatically put it to work when we do stuff like that. That's neat. I I did not, I've never used that. I didn't know about that. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. So with, with your book, and I know I have a copy, so I'm asking as if I don't know anything about it. Right. But those who are listening may not know about it, and that's my goal is for them to all learn. But is it a workbook style or how's it set up? It's it's a very short book for one, because as a perfectionist, you know, I've taken a lot of programs and I've I've read and started I've read a gazillion books and started thirteen gazillion more. Shorter is better. Like we can look at it and go, oh, I've got, I got half an hour to sit down. Like my book's like 46 pages. Wow. So it, it feels doable. And so what I do is one, talk about how the brain works and that committee in our head that is always telling us exactly what we're doing wrong and what we should have already done and what we should be doing and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I give us a, a sense of, you know, to have compassion because There's nothing wrong with us. That's how our brain is literally designed to work. And everybody has this. So, you know, people who are hard on themselves, you know, so one, I give the compassion of you're totally not alone. You're everybody else on the planet has the same brain, which is constantly searching for danger. And, you know, those are the people that lived back in the Savannah days when if you weren't paying attention to strange noises, you're tiger meat, right? Yeah. So it was the people were like, do you hear that noise? Wait, you have to have food for winter. Where are we going to sleep? We've got to figure this. Those are the people that lived. The people were like, oh my God, it's such a nice day. I'll sit in this rock and relax. That noise, I don't know. I'm resting. I'm going to dance you know. in this field. <laughs> exactly, right. Those people died. <laughs> so we have the worry brains of the people who survived. And while our environment certainly has changed, our brains haven't. Yeah. So we are built to search for danger. And that's the ego. You know, I, I love the ego. It, it can be problematic when it's a, one of the things I say, it's a, it's a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. Mm-hmm. I mean, its job is to keep us safe and to look for driving, to look for all the possible people who might be crashing into us. And, it, you know, it keeps us alive. Bless it. It just shouldn't run the show constantly. So, so I'm, I'm doing this a very long roundabout way of describing my book. But then <laughs> I, I go, I give simple tools to create our awareness of what we are actually doing to ourselves, which are creating pain in us. And then I give tools to subtly and simply, and I won't say easily, it's because if we're going to change decade-old patterns, it's going to take a lot of practice to create the new neural pathways, like to create the cow paths 
to make up for the, you know, super highway neural pathways we have of the habits which we learn, which create our pain. So I, you know, think about our thoughts and how to be with our feelings in a way that makes them less overwhelming. Because we always think our feelings, especially feelings like anger and sorrow, are going to annihilate us. They're just going to overwhelm us, and we're going to be feeling angry, anger and grief for the rest of our lives. Yeah, like- I mean, you know, I really hear people say that. Like, if I, mm-hmm. if I allow myself to feel that, I don't know if I'll live. Exactly. Exactly. And as you know, it is so powerful when they allow themselves to feel it and they survive it, it gives such a sense of capacity and a sense of safeness. It is so profound when we can be with our feelings. And, you know, we talked about Buddhism earlier and know we are more than our feelings. Like our thoughts and our feelings are simply parts of us. When we kind of don't like, oh, I don't want to face them. They feel like they're bigger than us and literally they can't be. They, they they literally cannot be bigger than we are. We're the ones who are the containers for our thoughts and feelings. Even though sometimes they feel like they're running roughshod, they can't. Like, like nobody has ever, as far as I know, nobody's ever died from feeling their feelings. It feels awful a lot, but yeah. they've always survived them so far. So why wouldn't they survive them again? Yeah. And, you know, we both um, were talking before we started recording about trauma and its impact. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that can be helpful is to know that the trauma already happened and you, you did get through it. You're here. So it's already the worst part really has already happened. Yeah. There's no way that the, the emotions connected to it can hurt you more than the experience that happened, you know? Exactly. That is so powerful. You know, when people know, oh, I actually already survived this. I already survived. This is just the feelings and the memories. I survived. And that, you know, helps connect them with their, their capability and their survival skills. I mean, that's powerful. Very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... In your book, you're saying that you you help people break the feelings down into smaller pieces or more manageable. Um, well, what I, I I developed this feelings map with, and I will share this. I shared the story in the book, and I'll share the story here because you know, as we said earlier, it's so good for everybody to know that everybody's human. Like one of the reasons I love Brene Brown is she's a shame researcher, and she just lays her shame out there for everyone to see like you know millions of people know about her acts that create shame in her so mm-hmm. so i share my story of i uh, signed up for a package of massage because i love massage but it's not something i i give myself a whole lot but so i'm like great i'll buy a package of three massages awesome so i uh, and they were half price so i used one and then summer hit and i didn't want to be inside getting a massage so i forgot about it and then one day I'm sitting in my living room and I'm like, I wonder when that massage package, package expires because it was a six-month package. And I texted the massage therapist and said, when, when does that expire? And she's like, oh, next week. And I'm like, oh, crap. So I get onto her scheduling thing and there are no times that I can use my last two massages before it expires. And I'm like, 
uh, and so I proceed to beat myself up and in my own mind, blame her. So I was like, well, she should have let me know it was almost up. No, that's not her job. That's your job. Well, you should have kept track. And now I'm you should use them. No, I, I just made a mistake. I forgot. I didn't actually do anything bad. Well, she should, she should not have a six month deadline. How stupid is that? No. She, so I was just going back <laughs> and forth of, of both trying to repress what I was feeling and then trying to blame somebody, whether it was me or her, for right. what I was feeling. So I was if feeling it's not it. her fault, then it's my fault. Wait, no, exactly. it's not my fault. It's her fault. Right. So I was either trying to repress it or feed it. And, and then I just stopped and went, I'm just angry because I lost money and I don't want to feel the anger. Because in my family, anger was not a good thing. So, you know, people got hurt when there was anger. So right. I don't allow, you know, I didn't allow anger. So I was like, well, I'm just angry. So I sat down on my couch and I just felt angry. I was just like, I'm angry because I lost the money. Nobody's fault. It just happened. Crap. And then after about five minutes, I'm like, oh, well, don't do that again. And I was done <laughs> because rather than repressing, which keeps the feelings in our body and in our psyche or feeding, which if we're trying to release the feelings, it just keeps more coming in, like more anger, more blame. So it just keeps building it up versus when we sit down and as you said, pay attention to our body, feel the feelings in our body, they literally like they, f they flow and they finish our body's yes. response you know, the neurochemical response is done, I've read anywhere from between 90 seconds to two minutes. Our body's neurochemical response to an event or a thought is done, 90 seconds to two minutes. So if we're still feeling it, we're either repressing or feeding, right? Well, so yeah. So the feeding part, though, I'm curious about that because I have heard that if you allow the feeling, it moves through and I've always heard like 45 to 90 seconds, but still another 30 seconds on top of that. It's still... I've gotten Manageable. down to five minutes. That's the fastest I've gotten to. <laughs> All right. Well, that's where you are right now. That's, that's okay. Right. <laughs> well, I'm here saying I've heard. <laughs> there's There have been a few times that I've really fully let the feelings that I was repressing oh, move through. Yeah. But, you know, other times I'm like, okay, I can't. No more. You know, I've got to make this stop. So, I mean, it's it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It's really hard. And you're right. They just, when we feel them, they flow and we release them. Yeah. Now, it feels I don't so wanna, relieving. Yeah. And I don't want to create the sense that like, well, if you feel it once, you're done. And if you aren't done with that same thing, well, then you screwed up. It was like, you know, we release that, that amount that we're feeling for that moment. So we've released some. There's probably a lot more, especially when we're talking about trauma. It's a lot of releasing. Yeah. But every time we do, it's a little bit of releasing. We have a little more space in ourselves for something other than the whatever pain we're feeling. Once again, snaking past the ego. <laughs> right. In a, in a manageable amount. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel as much as we need to feel, as is there to feel as time allows. I know for me, you know, I deal with stuff on a certain level. I'm like, yay, I'm all done. And then it comes back and I'm like, oh. And what I realized is that I'm just dealing at a deeper level. I've cleared what was available to be cleared before. And now it's like, oh, we're getting to the 
deeper stuff. Right. Okay, so let's be be with this. And as you said, we've already survived the original trauma. We're just releasing more of it. Right. And and I'm grateful that you said that about clearing what's there and then getting into what's deeper in there because yeah. you know, I often have talked about spiritual bypass on the podcast mm-hmm. before and you know, sometimes you hear people say, yeah, I, um, I cleared that, you know, my anger about it, you know, and, and they're talking <laughs> about it in a way where it was something like that would have a lasting impact. And the, the talking about clearing it sounds like it just was like a, in an hour or something. And it's like, yeah, you know, I think that that oversimplifies and again, can make us be critical of ourselves thinking we're doing it wrong exactly. because we still feel some anger. You know, even though we might have felt relieved after relieve, releasing whatever we release, then later, you know, there's more anger. And it's like, oh, wait, what did I do wrong here? I know. <laughs> I screwed up again. Yeah. yeah. I'm not getting it. I know I should be over this, right? <laughs> right. I already worked on this for an hour. <laughs> right. I had a therapy session about this. <laughs> right. That was last week. Right. <laughs> Next now we're moving on, but You're right. yeah, and then we start the should again. Uh-huh. Well, it should be There's past this. I word. know, I know how to do it. You know, right. <laughs> especially as therapists. I don't know about yeah. you, but I have a big like. I'm a therapist. This should not be happening to me. I should know better. You know, it's like uh when I'm human too. You know. Yep, yep. And I, you know, and I have talked to many therapists who say. I'm a relationship therapist and I'm having problems in my own relationship or I'm a child therapist and I don't know what to do with my child's problem. And, you know, it's like we aren't nobody said that we are supposed to be like not humans. Right. (laughs) Somehow we tell ourselves that. But that's again, that's the perfectionism. Yeah, that's not part of the it's not part of the rule book that we have to be. Thankfully. Right. Because nobody be a therapist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Or only the best fakers. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. You don't want to start thinking about that. We'll We'll just repress that one for right now. Yeah. Let's let's push that aside. (laughs) So, Jane, I know we are going to have to stop in a minute, but I appreciate you telling us about your work and giving us a few glimpses of what's in your book. I know that people will likely want to learn more about your work and your book. So where can they find you and everything you're doing? Awesome. So the best way to find me is on my website, everydaylove.me. And I must admit, I love that title. That like, is so me. sweet. Isn't it? Yes. Well, .com costs like 4500 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> Uh, but dot me was like 30 bucks. And I'm like, that's even better. So, <laughs> yeah. 4,500 or 30. Hard yeah. choice, yeah. but I think I know what I'm going to do. I know. And everydaylove.me, it's like, oh, that's just so perfect. So anyway, that's my website. On Facebook, I'm under Everyday Love, and it's three separate words. So those are the two best ways to reach me. If you want to, you can always sign up. You get a free copy of my book if you go to my website and sign up. And then if if you want to continue receiving notes from me, I send out about a monthly 
guide for tools and just ways of thinking and being aware to help us be kinder to ourselves and reduce our stress. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Free copy and all they have to do is sign up for your website. So, hey, yes. jump on that, yeah. everybody. <laughs> well, Jane, it's been lovely talking to you. Oh, thank Laura, you so I've much. I've so for, enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for listening to my interview with Jane. I hope you took away some ideas about how you might be able to be a little kinder to yourself, give yourself more compassion in your life. I think it's something that we always can strive to do better with. I know for me, I try to focus on it, but when life gets crazy, sometimes it completely slips off my radar. So I was glad to talk with Jane today. As always, thank you for listening to Therapy Chat, and I'll look forward to being back in your earbuds soon. Take care. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Just another reminder that if you'd like to become a member of Therapy Chat, supporting the podcast while receiving fun member perks and being able to communicate with me one-on-one, go to patreon.com slash therapy chat. If every subscriber donated just $1 per month, Therapy Chat would be able to keep going strong indefinitely. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.